and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Hello, I'm Pat Malone, and I'd like to welcome you to The Church in the Home, where we share the light of God's Word from our home to yours. I know the truth of God's Word, and I believe what I heard, yeah, yeah. I believe what I heard. I believe what I heard, so I'm standing on the Word of God. I don't know if you know this, but people have a lot to say. (laughs) People have a lot to say, especially now in the age of social media. You get everyone's input, everyone's opinions, and everyone's two cents about everything even when you don't want it and you don't ask for it. (laughs) I'm going to share a little story of something that happened. Last week, for example, my wife decided she wanted to paint the front door. She wanted to paint it a different color. So, she put a lot of time and effort into choosing the color. She took into account the color of our house, the color of the shutters, the style of the door, and narrowed it down to yellow. She liked yellow. She wanted something and how it would complement all the different colors. She thought all this through. So from there, she picked up all these different paint samples of different various shades of yellow and painted them all out and sat there and looked at them and (laughs) agonized over what was the perfect yellow for our front door. It was going to be quite a change from the vibrant red that was currently on the door, but it's our house, and if she wants a yellow front door, she can have a yellow front door. So she did. She put in the proper prep of sanding and cleaning. She laid, The painters in the room are very happy with her prep. She laid out her drop cloth. She got her paintbrushes out. She got all of her paint tools ready because she's got got a bag with all of her paint tools. And finally, after all of this, she started painting. She started painting the front door. And she was so excited. And she got even more excited as the yellow color started to go on the door, slowly covering the red and changing the whole look of our door bit by bit. And it made her really happy. It brought her joy. And then, wouldn't you know it, the neighbors got involved. (laughs) The neighbors got to get involved somehow. A neighbor walked by and seeing the project in progress, put in her opinion. I like the red better. Well, nobody asked her opinion. My wife didn't ask for her input, but she gave it anyway. So my wife, a little rattled by this, began second-guessing her decision, began thinking, am I wrong to paint this beautiful red door to yellow? Well, it was already halfway done. (laughs) She couldn't stop now. So she shook off the rude, unwarranted comment and pressed on. Well, wouldn't you know it, twice more this happened. Three separate times, different neighbors and passersby commented that they did not like the change. (laughs) And this really had her upset. Surely she was thinking, oh no, what have I done? 
The neighbors don't like it. <laughs> Have I ruined our front door? Well, then after all that, she finished painting the door, and she did what we do in this day and age. She posted before and after pictures to social media because she was proud of her hard work and really happy with the way it came out. She wanted to share her joy with people, but all the comments people couldn't wait to write. Most people being supportive and loving the new color and congratulating her on a job well done. Others somehow felt the need to voice their disapproval and took the opportunity to be just plain rude and mean about it. So finally, after all this, I get a text while at work, painting. <laughs> She sent me a picture of the newly painted yellow front door and asked me, what do you think? Now, if you've been married longer than five seconds <laughs> and you'd like to continue being married, you know how to answer this question. So I answered honestly. I love it. I love the front door, and I do. I love our yellow front door. Our front door is bright, and it's cheerful, and it's inviting, and it's calming, and it's joyful. The yellow door makes me happy, and it makes her happy, which makes me happy. Then she told me of all these interactions with the neighbors, to which I said, well, if they don't like it, they can go kiss something. <laughs> they can go paint their own front doors red if they liked it so much. So I didn't want to share this story as a pity party for Grace because, believe me, the negatives roll right off her. She doesn't really care if people don't like the front door. She likes it, I like it, and that's the end of it. So that's not the point I'm trying to make. What struck me the most in what I'm calling the saga of the yellow front door was the unbridled boldness of people to speak without hesitation on a matter that in reality is quite insignificant. The color of my front door doesn't have any effect on anybody's life whatsoever, but they spoke quickly and boldly. People speak boldly on all sorts of matters, politics, celebrities, sports teams, fashions and style. They support and they speak out for all kinds of organizations and causes that they feel are important. People like to attach themselves to causes. It could be cancer awareness, diseases, civil liberties, the environment, animals, just about anything you can think of. But I can tell you that anything other than the movement of the accuracy of God's word is a second-rate cause at best. It's the Christian believer that should be speaking in love with more boldness than anyone else. When the word of God is fitly spoken, it never returns void. The opinions and boldness of man's foolish speaking only tears others down. The word of God edifies. It builds people up. It brings peace and it brings joy. And we've been called to speak out with love and boldness. And tonight, we're going to look at a record that sets a standard of just how bold we can be and how bold we should be. So take your Bibles and turn to Acts chapter 3.
And to give just a little bit of build-up of where we are, in Acts chapter 2 is when Peter gives his great sermon on the day of Pentecost. And in verse 41 of chapter 2, it says, Then they gladly received his word, were baptized, and the same day were added unto them about 3,000 souls. In verse 46, And they, continuing daily in one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily, such as should be saved. Chapter 3. Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. Now the ninth hour is about three in the afternoon. Verse 2. So Peter and John are heading to the temple about 3 in the afternoon. It's the hour of prayer. They're going to the temple. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. So here's this man whose legs never worked. From the day he was born, his legs never worked. And every day people had to carry him to the gate of the temple where he would have his coffee can and he'd shake it out and people who had a couple nickels would throw it in his coffee can. And every single day he did this. So just like any other day, this lame man, the people laid daily at the temple, at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. Verse 3, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple... Asked in alms, he held out his cup to Peter and John. Verse 4. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. So Peter and John are walking in, they see this guy. He asked them for an alms, and Peter looked at this guy and said, Look at me, right here. Verse 5. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. So he did what Peter asked, thinking he was going to get something. Verse 6, Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him, Peter took the man by the right hand, and lifted him up, and immediately... His feet and ankle bones received strength. And he, the man who was lame from his mother's womb, leaping up, stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. Mm -hmm. Think about this. If you were born with your legs not working, and every single day people had to carry you to the gate of the temple, and every single day of your entire life, you sat there with your can out, depending on the good deeds of other people. Would your believing be up that something could be done about this after day after day, week after week, year after year of doing this? And then one day, here comes Peter and John, and this man immediately, immediately, his feet and ankle bones had strength. That he could never walk, his legs never worked. And he was leaping up and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. Verse 9. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. 
And they knew that it was he which sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto him. And as the lame man which was healed held Peter and John, all the people ran together unto them in the porch that is called Solomon's, greatly wondering. Mm. Everybody knew this guy. Everybody went to the temple every day. Everybody saw this guy outside the temple every day. And here he is, one day, leaping with his legs perfectly fine and healthy. And he's standing there with Peter and John going, look what these guys did. Verse 12. And when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, Ye men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? Or why look ye so earnestly on us, as though by our own power or holiness we had made this man to walk? The God of Abraham, and of Isaac, and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, hath glorified his son Jesus, whom ye delivered up, and denied him in the presence of Pilate, when he was determined to let him go. Well, the boldness of Peter to stand there, you know, and he did this on the day of Pentecost. He just stood up and he started calling people out on exactly what they did to Jesus. Hmm. Continuing in verse 14. But ye denied the Holy One and the just, and desired a murderer to be granted unto you, and killed the Prince of Life, whom God hath raised from the dead, whereof we are witnesses. In his name, through faith, in his name, hath made this man strong. Whom ye see and know, yea, the faith which is by him hath given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. And now, brethren, I wot, or I know, that through ignorance ye did it, as did also your rulers. You didn't know what you were doing. We know you didn't know what you were doing, but this is the truth. But those things, verse 18, which God before hath showed by the mouth of all his prophets, that Christ should suffer and hath so fulfilled. Repent ye therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. So, Peter and John are walking into the temple. They see this lame man who hasn't been able to walk, and they said, I don't have silver or gold, but I got something else. What I have, I can give you. And he commanded him, in the name of Jesus Christ, stand up. And he lifted him up, and immediately this man was healed. Immediately. Not later when he went home, not a couple years down the road, not after he went to physical therapy for six months. <laughs> immediately his feet and ankle bones have gained strength. Mm. Have you ever broken your ankle? Mm. or yes. <laughs> yes, you have. Or your leg or even your arm, broken a bone, and it's in a cast for like six weeks or so? I broke my ankle in high school. I was in a cast for, for two months, I think. And just that, when you get that cast off, you have to like relearn, like there's no muscles that have kind of deteriorated there. You have to build that back up and it takes time. This man, his legs never worked and immediately he shot up and he's leaping and bounding. I could just see the guy. Could you imagine how happy you would be if you could never walk? You see people walking around all day and you can't walk and then one day you can. Imagine the joy this man felt. Look at the beginning of chapter 4. So Peter and John healed this guy and start preaching, start teaching the people in the temple. Chapter 4 and verse 1. And as they spake unto the people, 
the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them. Oh boy, here come the neighbors. <laughs> Being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. They're not happy that Peter and John are preaching about Jesus. This is Jesus that these guys just had put to death. And now Peter and John are standing in the temple telling people that he's the Son of God and that he's the Lord and he's the only way to heaven. All these great things that are done in the name of Jesus Christ, they don't like that they're teaching something different than the law that they want people to know. Verse 3, And they laid hands on them, not in the miraculous healing way, (laughs) in the grab them and throw them in jail way. They laid hands on them, and put them in hold until the next day, for it was now eventide. It's evening. Remember Peter and John went to the temple at about 3 o'clock? For a couple hours, a few hours, these guys are in the temple preaching and teaching. You know, think long enough that the captain of the temple and the Sadducees and the high priest, they heard something's going on, and there was enough time for them to hear it and get down there and see what's going on, and then put their hands on Peter and John and throw them in jail. Verse 4, Howbeit many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of the men was about 5,000. It seems like almost every time these guys are talking the word, thousands of people are believing. The day of Pentecost people believe. Then God added daily to the church. And now they're here and they heal this guy, and 5,000 people believed. Verse 5, And it came to pass on the morrow, the next day, that their rulers and elders and scribes, and Annas the high priest, and Caiaphas, and John and Alexander, and as many as were of the kindred of the high priest, were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, By what power or by what name have ye done this? Imagine you're Peter right now. It wasn't all that long ago that you were hiding. You were hiding for fear. Then the day of Pentecost comes, and he's speaking out boldly and loudly, and he's calling people out. And God's adding to the church daily. And they go into this temple, and they heal this guy, and they're speaking the truth, they're preaching Jesus, and they get thrown in jail. The high priest and the captain grab them and throw them in jail for preaching Jesus. The next day they come out and they're standing in this court surrounded by all these very powerful men of the town. And they ask them, by what power do you do this? By what name do you do this? What would you do if you were Peter? Would you back down and say, no, no, it wasn't, wasn't me, sorry, you know, let it go. Now listen to this. Talk about boldness. Verse 8. Then Peter, filled with pneumahagion, with Holy Spirit, said unto them, Ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means he is made whole, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole." This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which is become the head of the corner. Neither is there any salvation in any other. Wait a minute, wait a minute. What did he just say? 
Neither is there any salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven which given, given among men whereby we must be saved. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled. And they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. They go, okay, these guys had to have been with Jesus. They didn't go to the right schools. They don't come from the right bloodline. They don't live in the right families. But these ignorant, unlearned men are speaking with such boldness to us, the high priests. How could they? They go, oh, well, they must have been with Jesus. Yep, they were definitely with him. Hmm. Verse 14. And beholding the man which was healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. Here's this guy. We know this guy. He couldn't walk yesterday, and today he could walk. We, got, we don't have any answer for that. But when they had commanded them to go outside, out of the council, they conferred among themselves. They had a little huddle, and they figured out what they were going to do, saying, What shall we do to these men? For that indeed a notable miracle hath been done by them is manifest to all them that dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But that it spread no further among the people, let us straightly threaten them that they speak henceforth to no man in this name. And they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. So Peter and John have already been thrown in jail for this, brought out and questioned about this. They get tossed out and they all confer and get together and say, we're just going to threaten them and tell them they can't do this anymore. Okay. So they bring Peter and John back, and that's what they tell them. No more can you even talk about Jesus or preach Jesus and do anything in this name. That ought to stop them, because they want to stop the spread, you know. Verse 19, But Peter and John answered and said unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge thee, judge ye. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard, so when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding nothing how they might punish them because of the people. For all men glorified God for that which was done. For the man was above 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing was showed. 40 years old. Like I said earlier, imagine every day, day after day, week after week, year after year, to your 40 and Peter looks at him and says, in the name of Jesus Christ, stand up and walk. And in that moment, he had enough believing that it was going to happen. It takes believing to make it happen. And this man shot up after 40 years. So Peter and John, you know, they tried putting the screws to him, but they didn't break. Peter and John said, if it's better to obey you or God, you tell us. Which one should we do? And they had to let him go because they couldn't find anything wrong with him. Anything to charge them with, because they feared the people. They feared the people and the backlash that that might cause on them. Verse 23. And being let go, they went to their own company and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. And when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art God, which has made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is who by the mouth of thy servant David had said, 
Why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth stood up, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For of a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together. For to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings, and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word. Imagine that. Think of the heart of that. That you're being told, knock it off, or you're already in big trouble. We are going to stop the spread. It says they threatened them. Use your imagination. What do you think they threatened them with? And they went back, got back with the believers, and they prayed for more boldness. Verse 30, By stretching forth thine hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that aught of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things common. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. So Peter and John, they weren't shook. They weren't shook. And in that situation, as we've seen in other situations, all through the Old Testament, look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Look what happened when they stood. When they stood with boldness and refused to bow. When they put God first. And they walked right through that fiery furnace. Peter and John, they let them go. They couldn't do anything. God worked in that situation that they were thrown in jail for speaking the truth. The priests tell them, knock it off, stop speaking the truth. And they said, no, I don't think so. And then they let them go. They let them go. And when they told them not to speak, they went back to the other believers and they prayed to speak with more boldness. They prayed God for more boldness. That there's plenty of things that people can be bold and speak about, um, but none of which are going to get them out of a fiery furnace or a bad situation except the Word of God. It's only the truth of God's Word and the power that's in the name of Jesus Christ that actually makes a difference. That actually makes a difference. Um, I wanted to close with a poem that pretty much says what I've talked about all night called Speak Out for Jesus. You talk about your business, your box and st- your st- bonds and stocks and gold. And in all worldly matters, you're so brave and so bold. But why are you so silent about salvation's plan? Why don't you speak for Jesus and speak out like a man? You talk about the weather and the crops of corn and wheat. You speak of friends and neighbors that you pass along the street. You call yourself a Christian, and you like the gospel plan, then why not speak for Jesus and speak out like a man? Are you ashamed of Jesus and the story of the cross, that you lower his pure banner and let it suffer loss, 
Have you forgot his suffering? Did he die for you in vain? If not, then live and speak for Jesus and speak out like a man. I'd like to tell the story sweet of Jesus, wouldn't you? To help some other folks to meet their Savior, wouldn't you? I'd like to travel all the way to where I'd hear my Jesus say, you've helped my work along today. I'd like that, wouldn't you? God bless you guys. You can't bring me down, the word is on my mind.